He looked back at me just as plain as day, and he said, I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan. It would be my privilege to defend the Nazi. It would be my privilege to defend Charles Manson. People are interested in crime. There's no getting around it, and Americans love violence. Coming to a brothel, you're having the full fantasy experience with somebody who knows, let's say, that there's five different ways to give a handjob plus. You know, talk to me about morality, shut up. I tell you where you can stick your morality, man. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of Unfiltered, the podcast, uh, which is sort of a sister series to Unfiltered, the video series. Uh, which you can find on Yahoo News. Uh, my name is Brian Prouse Ganey. I am the producer and director of the series. And with me, as always, is... Why don't you introduce yourself? I don't know what my name is. Just kidding. Joyzel. <laughs> Joyzel, everybody. Joyzel. Acevedo. Acevedo. That's nice. my last name. Co-producer of the series. Um, and today we have a very interesting, uh, borderline crazy episode. Yeah, who is this guy? Uh, so today we're going to be speaking to William Harder. Uh, William Harder is one of the uh, country's largest and potentially one of the world's largest collectors of uh, serial killer and true crime paraphernalia, otherwise known as murderabilia. And he's also uh, the proprietor of a very controversial website you're going to learn about called MurderAuction.com. Some people watching this might be thinking, man, you're a piece of sh**. People are interested in crime. There's no getting around it. And Americans love violence. You have documentaries on serial murderers, prisons, then the television shows like Mindhunter. You have fictitious characters based on real life serial murderers that did real life serious killings, but that's all okay. It's complete double standard. People have always wanted to collect this stuff. I didn't start this. This isn't some new phenomenon. So that is uh, William Harder uh, that you just heard. Um, what do you think, Joyzel? It's no secret that America does love violence. I mean, I wouldn't say love violence, but when you have, he's right, when you have shows like Mindhunter, which is, for those who don't know, it's a hit Netflix show that focuses on the FBI when they first started coining the term serial killer back in the 70s. When you have things like that, and you also have like Investigation Discovery, which is a 24-7 TV channel that's all about true crime stuff, right. like documentaries and things like that. I mean... Uh, the Alienist is a big show. Right. right. Uh, yeah. That's all about chasing down uh, serial killers at the turn of the century. People love that. I'm interested in that. I mean... You know. I am too. I, I mean, you know, we're going to sort of, in this episode, we're going to sort of explore the difference between, you know, what is considered appropriate and inappropriate as far as fandom of people that commit horrific acts. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, that's sort of the reason that I reached out to William. Um, it's it's a fine line. I mean, it's like you said, all those shows that you mentioned, and you know, we could sit here and talk about American Psycho and Silence of the Lambs right, or right. Seven, and um, and so sort of, you know, I guess the two questions when you talk to someone who collects uh, things that other people find offensive is, you know, what's the difference between what's considered normal, uh, being enthusiastic about this subject matter, and what's the difference when is there, you know. I feel like some of these things um, will be historical at some point in time, but is it inappropriate to talk about it now? This particular piece right here framed is a Ted Bundy witness subpoena. This drawing appears uh, by Charles Manson. It's of the sun. John Wayne Gacy, hi-ho in the winter. 
So William's an interesting character because, as you just heard, he gave us a little tour of some of his mementos. His house is sort of a museum of the macabre. Where does he live? Uh, he lives in the state of California, um, and he's got a nice home. He lives uh, with his wife uh, and a couple of cute he's little married. dogs. He's married. Uh, he's He's an animal lover. Um, but but uh, in his house, uh, he has uh, numerous uh, items uh, from some of the worst of the worst people in the world. Uh, everyone from Charles Manson to Ted Bundy to John Wayne Gacy. And this was something that, you know, he became obsessed with uh, very early on. My preoccupation with, you know, death started long before, uh, you know, I even really uh, knew what those things were. When I was little, I thought about people stabbing each other. and. As a six, seven-year-old, I didn't know how sticking, I mean, when you're that small, it just seemed so foreign how somebody could do that to another person. It was just alien. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I eventually discovered there were people that did this for recreation, for pleasure. The serial killer. There's only one Charles Manson. There's only one Richard Ramirez. There's only one Ted Bundy, one Gacy. I don't condone it. I don't think it's okay, but it's interesting. I'm a collector. True, this is a little bit more macabre than collecting stamps. Me, I'm a murder junkie. So did he talk about his childhood to you? I mean, because just, you know, just hearing that right now, like, oh, I just imagine stabbing somebody. But he, <laughs> I mean, he does say, like, I, I was a little kid. I didn't know really what right. that was. Um, yeah, I mean, he didn't, uh, other than what you just heard, uh, you know, I, 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 we didn't really go into his childhood or his family or anything like that. Um, I mean, here's the deal, is that, you know, most people that are watching this or most people that are hearing this stuff think, um, you know, everyone we've played that clip for about him being a kid and saying that has had some type of reaction like, oh, wow, he's crazy, he's nuts. And whatever, it might be a little extreme, but I don't think it's too far off base of people being attracted to something that they're shocked by. And I think we all have that. I think we all have that at a base level. I mean, I think that's like the, all the shows and everything that we just mentioned earlier. So everyone, I think, has this sort of fascination in the macabre. It's just sort of how far you take it. Um, but one thing I actually think is kind of interesting is that I actually truly believe that women are more into this stuff than men. Oh, God. I, I do. I, I really do. I mean, if you, I mean, you know, there is some merit to that because um, – in in my research on like finding out like okay how how true crime obsessed is America right um, when I you know how I, I mentioned Investigation Discovery and how that's a channel with which has a predominantly female right audience. right it's right. like sword with right. women yep. as their main audience my wife who I can't even get to sit down and watch a horror movie um, is obsessed with true crime and murder. She, she even listens to another podcast called My Favorite Murder. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, not that one. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's two uh, female comics that basically go over pretty much stuff that William Harder talks about. I mean, they talk about, you know, famous serial killers and awful crimes of the past with a pretty much an all-female audience, and it's very tongue-in-cheek, and everybody really likes it. It's kind of funny slash creepy when I come home from work, and, you know, my wife's all <laughs> giggling in, you know, in the living room, and she's listening to this these two women joke about, you know, John Wayne Gacy. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say, like, maybe it has something to do with how... You know, you can roll your eyes at this however much you want, but maybe <laughs> it has something to do with like how women are raised, right? Like your role in society is I like see that. you're I supposed mean, to stereotypically that's... be like, you know, the caregiver, and you're supposed to the you nurturer, know, right? And right. so there's this sort of morbid taboo. Whereas like men right. or boys are, you know, it's not frowned upon when they are a little bit violent because that's kind of somewhat equated to being manly and masculine. Sure. 
But I mean, you know, I feel like there's a lot of psychoanalytic stuff to say about that. Right, like the right, whole right. self and destruction of the self and then watching these kinds of images of like women, you know, you kind of, there's some morbid fascination with it in that that could be you and it yeah. is, and, and murder is also kind of taboo. And then also, you know, sure. Contradicting yeah. your, your, you know, supposed role in society. Again, all mumbo jumbo for people that may think, what is this? <laughs> this is not, why, why am I tuning in to Every, hear this stuff? Everyone but, thinks uh, you're a freak right now. Jeff. I know. Uh, that was but fun. what about guys? I mean, is I, it just generally acceptable that guys would be into this kind of stuff? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just, I, you know what it is? I feel like the guys that are into this type of stuff are like, it's like kind of obvious, right? I mean, like I'm yeah. someone that kind of, you know, I'm, I belong to certain levels of subculture groups. Oh yeah, for sure. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, sure. It's like these, you know, like the punk rock guys or some of these like, you know, heavy metal guys or, you know, strange artists or people that are, you know, people that are kind of offbeat, right? Um, that are into this type of stuff. Um, I mean, even, you know, you look at uh, William himself, and he's got, you know, he's got the shaved head, he's got kind of the weird facial hair, the Charles Manson t-shirt. Um, I think the difference is that the women that are into it are very unassuming. They all, you know, everyone, like like a, like a, like a guy that's into this type of stuff, you can kind of tell that he's probably into something kind of weird. I but, don't know. But, but I feel like most, like, normal, like, like I know a lot of housewives that love this crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, that's... You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't see a lot of guys with dad pants, like, you know, on the golf course talking about this type of stuff. But I feel like their wives are at home talking about it. So what was interesting is that, you know, William, he kind of figured out a way to get up close and personal with this stuff that he was fascinated by. One day I decided to do a search for Richard Ramirez and I found a website that just had pictures of his artwork. Not for sale, it was just displayed. Seeing that kind of sparked a little bit of excitement in me, interest, I was like, man, where do you get that? I want one of those Richard Ramirez drawings. I found the California Department of Corrections death row roster with his prison number. And I wrote him a letter and Ramirez received it and then wrote back. To this day, have that letter along with every other letter Richard Ramirez has sent me. And yeah, that definitely uh, set the stage. I remember when the letter arrived and I was like, yes, this is cool. One day it just hit me that I could do this with other people. 17 years later, I have 16,000 letters. I've purchased over 10,000 individual letters um, and, and I turn around and sell those for profit. Before I know it, I was getting inundated with, you know, collectors, you know, begging me to, to give them my stuff. So like I said before, I uh, have a morbid curiosity with like these murder documentaries. So I know who Richard Ramirez is. Yes. But for the people who don't know, who Ramirez is. Uh, so Richard Ramirez is definitely one of the most uh, horrific characters in recent American history. Um, he was a serial killer that terrorized California, uh, Ocean County, all the way up to San Francisco. Um, and he was dubbed the Night Stalker. Um, he broke into people's homes. He tortured people. He was known for cutting out their eyes and hiding them in different places in their bedroom. Sometimes the eyes would be looking at uh, where the victim's bodies were found. Oh, creepy. He killed a, a, a ton of people. I forget what the actual, uh, you know, conviction number was. Do you, have, do you know yeah. that? Yeah, so he killed at least 14 people, um, and he tortured dozens more before his capture in 1985. And, they, and like most serial killers, that's... 14 that we know about. There yeah. potentially could be many. 14 more. that they connected to him. So, what did Ramirez's letter to William say? 
Like, what what did he write about? Yeah, so his letters uh, would range from boring to creepy, uh, as far as as William described them to me. Um, you know, sometimes he did little sketches and artwork in them. Uh, sometimes I think he just talked about prison. Uh, other times I think he got a little uh, salacious. He was a bad guy, Richard Ramirez, and he was not someone that ever showed any type of sympathy for what he did. And uh, up until the day that he died in prison, he was always kind of freaky and a creep. You know, I like how he, how William says when he receives the letter that he's like, yeah, this is so cool. He sounds like a kid, yeah. like getting <laughs> yeah. a Christmas, like unwrapping a Christmas present. Totally, like a kid getting a video game or something. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, you know, you know clearly he's not the only one who's excited to get letters because now he said he sold over 10,000 letters and he's, he has a 16,000. Once William kind of found out that he wasn't alone in collecting this stuff and so many people wanted this stuff and there were so many avid collectors out there, uh, he discovered a website called murderauction.com uh, that basically is sort of like an eBay for creepy stuff. Uh, it's a place for guys to go bid on all this type of, you know, these paintings, letters, any type of memorabilia that's associated with true crime and serial killers. Uh, over his participation with the website, William would become the sole proprietor of the website, which he runs to this day. Murder Auction uh, kind of doubled as a social network because it brought all the collectors together. Everybody could kind of meet and get to know one another. Charles Manson string arts are really popular. People uh, always seem to want those. Charles Manson craft items will sell for thousands. John Wayne Gacy paintings, particularly his skull clowns and pogos. I've seen Gacy paintings sell for, for 3,000. 3, Ed Gein stuff can sell for, you know, several thousand, you know. Albert Fish would be a, a, a kind of like a Holy Grail type thing. Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, you know, those names, they're household names and people are always gonna have an interest in those cases, at least in my lifetime. And when somebody wants something, that's the best ingredient. And then they'll start to, they'll, they'll pay whatever it will take to get it. When people ask me what my favorite, you know, my, the pinnacle piece of my collection and the crime stuff, it's not a tangible thing. It's the visits and the interactions with the families of offenders. I was able to visit with Charles Manson 30, between 35, 40 times. The last 10 years, you know, 15 years of his life is actually pretty good. And I'm glad that, you know, that could be a part of it. I felt really, uh, you know, really fortunate. So I visited murderauction.com and it is what you said, like a murder eBay, mm -hmm. um, you know, or just a true crime eBay, really. Right. Um, I did see that there was, there was like zero bids on things, right? I didn't see a lot of bidding right. action. Um, but the selection of stuff on there is interesting. He has action figures, like the categories that he yeah, provides your all sorts of stuff. Yeah, on action yeah. figures, war items. As you saw, I mean, there's not a lot of big ticket items on there. Uh, well, there is, for so. those who are interested, there is Charles Manson's hair for $375, <laughs> by the way. Which Zero bid. So if you want to jump on that, go ahead. <laughs> It's interesting there that William talks about um, how the pride of his hobby isn't necessarily even the material items. It is actually meeting some of these people. Um, William has been arrested in the past. Um, he spent some time in jail when he was younger uh, for a nonviolent crime. Because of that, he's very passionate about the Department of Corrections, how prisons are run and how prisoners are treated. Um, so he actually visits quite frequently a lot of these high-profile killers, um, as he said, he visited Charles Manson 35 to 40 times. 
Uh, he goes there on holidays. He eats with these guys. He brings them gifts and what have you. A lot of people don't like William. Uh, you know, a lot of people think he's crazy and think his hobby is awful. I think a lot of people are, are misunderstanding maybe uh, the finances involved in these things, in particular who's making what. But uh, he basically, he's okay with it. And he kind of gets into this, you know, realizing that, hey, a certain level of hatred is going to come his way. And I think he kind of has fun with it. People say, oh, you're dirtbag, you're, you're, you're making these inmates money. And uh, there's only one way to, to describe that statement. It's pure bull****. It's just not true. Inmates are not in on this. And anybody who says that is is lying. I try to be as sensitive as I can within reason. Like, I don't let people sell grave dirt um, from victims. I don't let people sell pictures of offenders or victims' children. But there's some people who just, for whatever reason, they're professional victims. And they that's how, that's what their life is now. All they see is, my loved one was killed, I'm going to be angry now and try to, you know, project my misery on everybody around me. They're so hypocritical, you know, if they get paid, they'll do books, they make, and they make money. They don't donate the money to anybody else involved in the case because there are victims that don't want to be uh, put in the press and, 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 and want to be left alone, but other victims want to talk about it. So it's, uh, I think it's, it's extremely hypocritical for people to tell me that, oh, what I'm doing is so, is so awful, but then they do it themselves and uh, it's somehow okay. You know, talk to me about morality, uh, shut up. You know, I tell you where you can stick your morality, man. It's, 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 it's subjective to the individual. And it's, again, it, you don't get to tell me. And if you don't like this, hey, I'm really, you know, not sorry that you don't like it. Why have you watched this long? And that's a very good point that he, he makes at the end there. Uh, you know, I think there there are people that like to hate things and that there are people that like to get offended. Um, and that's why, you know, why have you watched this long? If, you, if you're really not into this, why are you paying so much attention to him? Yeah, if you're a hater, uh, right. you know. On the flip side of that, I think one of the more shocking things is how he discusses the victims. Uh, I was kind of expecting a little bit more sympathy from him about the victims of these tragedies. Uh, Cause you know, he really sympathizes with the killers a great deal. Like he'll, he'll sit there and talk to you about, you know, this guy was molested. This guy grew up this way. I mean, this guy never had a chance in normal society, blah, 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 blah. But you don't really hear that sort of sympathy uh, reserved for maybe the people that truly deserve it, the victims of these horrific it crimes. Is a, yeah, it's weird where he draws the line. I find that concept interesting, the mm. professional victim. People yeah. who, uh, you know, he says that that's what their life is now. They just like, you know, the way he puts it is they're like, they're whining, complaining, and they, they get paid to do that and to write books and all this kind of right. stuff. Um, I, I think that's pretty harsh. It's interesting the kind of leniency, though, that he that he shows when he tries to draw the line between what is sold on murderauction.com and what isn't. When is it too much? When does it get too offensive? And, and the example that I used is, would you ever sell um, articles of clothing from the children of Sandy Hook if they ever came your way? Because uh, I consider Sandy Hook to probably be you know, the most despicable crime in, in recent memory. Um, and that's a good question. What did he say? He sort of went back and forth on it. He, he, at first, he was really in the mode of, I should be able to do whatever the hell I want, screw everybody. Uh, but then I think he kind of thought about it, and then he sort of walked it back. He said he'd be willing to put those items up, but if someone from the families had reached out to him and asked him not to, that he probably wouldn't. But now it's 
Time for our favorite part of Unfiltered, the podcast. Drum roll. Hey, here we go. And this is why you're listening to the podcast, because uh, you're going to get stuff that you're not getting in the video series. Uh, we always, on top of hearing our voices go on and on and on on exposition on the pieces. Such beautiful voices. <laughs> uh, we like to give you little bonus scenes and stuff we've lifted from the edit room floor. Uh, so here's a little clip uh, where William says something kind of funny uh, that you didn't hear in the actual video interview. I one time was sitting with a murderer in Texas and uh, you know, he, he said it very plainly to me. He goes, it's not in our nature to do good things to each other. And it's not. I think human beings are polite to one another and do good things to each other only because the laws are in place and there's a fear if you are, you know, violent or aggressive, you will be remanded, you'll, you will lose those freedoms. But yeah, if the water stopped, you know, running and the electricity turned off, uh, within three days, I think people would start killing each other, and you would the, the, the Ramirez's of this world would inherit it, and the uh, the people that rely on the police and electricity uh, would die off or, they, or killed off. They wouldn't be strong enough to survive. And again, I mean, and but we're not in that situation. We're not. We're past that. We have electricity. So for people to find recreation in killing, yeah, I to me it's an interest, and it's an interest that's shared by a lot of people. Would you be like that? Would you do you feel like you'd be one of those people who'd go crazy and start killing people? Because I don't I don't think that'd no, be me. I mean, not even for because I'm like a noble or positive person. I think I'd just be too lazy. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. For <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> too much work, too much effort. We, we, I did one of those like uh like uh obstacle courses with my wife that like mimics a zombie apocalypse and uh, Whoa, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that was it was actually a, a Walking Dead thing that they sponsor at some of the com comic cons. And oh. it, it's a cross between almost like a an obstacle course and a mini marathon, but you're chased by these zombies through uh Whoa. through all these locations. And basically what I learned over the course of that is that my wife would probably survive a zombie apocalypse and I'd be dead in like five friggin' minutes. Because, what, how, how'd you die? Uh, well, I just got tired, you know? It's <laughs> 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 like, you know, in the beginning, like all the zombies are coming at you and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and then like 10 minutes into it, I'm like out of breath and I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right, all right, I get it. You friggin' I zombies. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So you wouldn't last, is what you're saying. I don't think so. I I would probably be a victim of the Ramirez's, uh, mainly because of my laziness and indifference to probably what was happening around me. I think uh, I'd be too nice. I don't think I'd be able to do that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But you say like we say that now as we're sitting in this really nice, cozy-ish looking podcast room, and That's we're like, true. would we ever kill somebody? I don't know. Yeah. So that was William Harder. Thank you so much for uh, listening to Unfiltered, the podcast. Uh, if you haven't yet, please go onto Yahoo News and watch Unfiltered, the video. Which is posted weekly every Wednesday. You can catch it at yahoo.com. You can also catch it on Facebook Watch. That's right. Tune in again next week on Unfiltered, where we'll be dealing with a much heavier, dramatic story. Uh, this time around, we'll be speaking with a uh, trauma surgeon who was involved in one of the recent mass shootings. You can listen to Unfiltered every Friday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.